The Bard is an artisan of magic. They're knowledgeable and witty musical warriors capable of lethal arts. Paladins are champions of holy power, heralds of their faith, and smiters of the unrighteous through their divine favor and martial prowess. You put them together, and what we get is a divine chorus leader who inspires their supporting singers while triumphantly smiting the wicked. So if you're interested in becoming the D&D equivalent of Seether or a church choir conductor, then you should stay tuned for... That is the most boring way to sum this up. So why would somebody want to play a bard paladin multiclass? Well, bards and paladins use charisma as their spellcasting ability. Both classes care about buffing up their allies, and depending on what direction you want to take the build, both classes care about dishing out damage. Bards are normally stuck with light or at best medium armor with strict combat limitations. By starting with paladin levels, we can take heavy armor and shields from the start, and we have full access to martial weapons. What we can end up with is a powerful party leader, able to tank hits, heal themselves and others, and do devastating damage with each melee attack. And since you're charisma-based, you can still serve as the face of the party if you really want to. The combination works with either Bard or Paladin as a primary class or secondary class and feels stronger than purely taking levels in either original class. Paladin levels make up for the deficiencies in melee combat for Bards, and the Bard levels grant spell slots and far more options in combat for Paladins. So if this build can do everything, why doesn't everybody want to use this build? Well, the Mighty Paladin is already a partial caster with slower than normal spell progression, which means any multi-classing is going to slow us down considerably with our Paladin spellcasting. With most of our builds, you'll be waiting all the way until Tier 3 before you can cast 4th level spells or 5th level spells. But if we plan on mostly smiting with those spell slots anyway, it's less of an issue. From the Bard's side, their key feature, Bardic Performance, only scales with Bard levels, not character levels. That means our Bardic Inspirations are going to use a much lower die than a full Bard of the same level. And, as with all multi-class characters, you're foregoing later single-class character features like the 20th level Capstones and 9th level Spells for each class by mixing them together, even if it's only a 1 level dip. But what level does a Bard Paladin start to kick in? This isn't a situation where we're going to be aiming for one specific combination. Rather, the build works off the bat and builds up with more features as you progress. You can treat either as your primary class or secondary class with good results either way. We do of course have some later features that we want to use, but the multi-class kicks in as early as level 2, with just one level in each class. So then arises the question, do I take Bard or Paladin first? This multi-class build is loose on leveling order, but it's very important that your first level be Paladin. We only gain heavy armor proficiency if our first level is in Paladin, not just by taking a single level. Otherwise, we'll have to spend a feat to get it. We gain an extra skill proficiency anyway when we multi-class into Bard, so we don't lose out on much of anything and gain a ton of value taking Paladin first instead of going Bard to Paladin. Now let's get into the class features that we care about. While every original class feature has some utility, there are a few key features we're going for when putting together a Bard Paladin. Starting off with the significant Bard features, we're of course starting with Bardic Inspiration. The core unique feature of the Bard is ability dependent on high charisma for a number of uses. Normally you use this for a player buff, but depending on what route we go, there may be even more options for us. Next we have spellcasting, and mixing spellcasting classes is a bit weird mechanically, and we'll get to that in just a second, but for now know that access to the Bard spell list gives us extra magical abilities and spell slots we can use for buffing or smiting. 
Normally the damage from spells for bards is a bit paltry, but funneling them into smites turns them into something rather dangerous. Next we have Expertise, and this allows us to add double our proficiency bonus on a couple chosen skills. This is always generically useful, but depending on how we want to work the build, it can be incredibly useful. Next, gained at 5th level, we have Font of Inspiration, and it's essentially an upgrade to our Bardic Inspirations. With Font of Inspiration, we regain our Bardic Inspiration on a short rest instead of on a long rest. This lets us use them a lot more freely, and in most campaigns, you'll be able to do an Inspiration essentially every round without fear of running out. Next, we have Bardic College. We have two major directions we can take, and they both derive a lot from specific Bard Colleges. We'll get into them more in just a second, but for now know that we value these college selections a lot. And then we have Magical Secrets. The first instance of this is gained at 10th level, and then again at 14th level, and then 18th level. Magical Secrets lets you gain spells from any spell list, which may or may not be decent incentive to push up your bard levels. Note that you can also get this early if you take the College of Lore. Now let's move on to the significant Paladin features, starting with Hit Points. Paladins have 1d10 hit dice, making it one of the beefiest classes second only to taking a Barbarian class level. Every Paladin level you take will gain you an average of 2 hit points more than your Bard levels, and that extra durability really starts to add up. Next we have Heavy Armor. The Bard can be worked into a more combat-oriented class, but typically they're pretty flimsy. Assuming you take your first level as a Paladin, you'll have a way better defensive ability with access to Heavy Armor and Shields right from the start. You'll have to do some adventuring to get that expensive plate armor, but I assure you it's worth it. And next we have weapon proficiencies. Bards have access to finesse weapons, but their access to heavy weapons is pretty limited. By mixing in paladin levels, we gain access to the full martial complement of weapons. Next we have lay on hands. Paladins get a pool of healing equal to 5 times their paladin level. While multiclassing will shrink this pool comparatively, it's always helpful to have healing on hand, especially if we want to fill a support role. And then of course we have Divine Smite. Gained at second level, this is one of the best offensive options in the game that sets the Paladin apart from other martial classes. Divine Smite lets you sacrifice your spell slots for pure consistent damage when you hit things with weapon attacks in melee, and it doesn't matter what class those spell slots came from. This means you can use Bard spell slots as raw smite damage on melee attacks. Each first level spell slot turns into 2d8 damage, with an extra 1d8 damage for each spell slot level above first up to a maximum of 5d8 smite damage, or 68 smite damage rolls if the target is undead or a fiend. And then we have fighting style. Also gained at second level, your fighting style goes a long way towards buffing up your martial ability and weapon attacks. Keep in mind that you'll need to keep a hand free for casting bard spells, until you take Warcaster that is. If we end up going for the more combat oriented build, you're best off going for additional damage options like dueling or a simple bonus to AC in defense. For the support-centered builds, you'll likely want Interception instead. And then we have Extra Attack. Gained at 5th level, very simply it lets you make an additional attack using the same attack action. We can't do multiple Divine Smites in the same turn, but more attacks is always a good thing, surprisingly. Note that you can also get your Extra Attack through the College of Swords. You can't get Extra Extra Attacks though, so make sure not to try stacking those features. And don't try asking your DM either. And then we have Aura of Protection. Gained at 6th level, this is one of the strongest defensive buffs in the game and is instrumental for our build if we're going for the support build. You and every friendly creature within 10 feet of you gain a bonus to all saving throws equal to your charisma modifier. By sticking together, you can wildly improve your party survival rate. This alone is a decent argument for a paladin 6th level dip. 
And then we have Sacred Oath. Sacred Oaths determine what your channel divinity features are and grant you your first Sacred Oath feature at third level, and the Oath's aura ability doesn't kick in until seventh. Depending on what build you go for, these archetype features may or may not be worth it as a defensive boost, but we'll dig into that more a bit later. Now let's discuss Bard and Paladin ability scores. While you can build a dexterity-based Bard Paladin, I really recommend sticking with Strength as your main physical ability since we can take advantage of heavy armor and don't need to rely on dexterity for AC. For most Bard Paladins, you'll be doing basically the same spread of ability scores that you'd want for a Paladin with a bit of emphasis on Charisma. You want your Strength and Charisma as high as possible, with a minimum of 16, with Constitution as your third highest ability score. There's a feat we'll talk about in a moment that you may need to prioritize, but beyond that, all your ability score improvements should be spent on strength or charisma. Dexterity, intelligence, and wisdom can all be dump stats for you. While you could technically do any of the normal martial-style feats with reasonable results, in my mind there's one feat that should be on your radar as a bard paladin, and that's Warcaster. I recommend picking this up at 4th level with one of your early ability score increases, especially if you're going with the support plan. Warcaster has several nifty benefits, each of which culminates to make martial spellcasting function properly. Altogether, you get the following features. Now, paladins can cast all their spells through their holy symbol that only needs to be displayed and doesn't require a free hand. Bard spells, though, need to be cast through a musical instrument, which does normally require a free hand. Warcaster not only lets us cast all of our spells with our hands full, it also lets us lash out with cantrips as attacks of opportunity. Note that you can also get around this issue by simply taking the College of Swords Bard archetype. At third level, as a Sword Bard, you gain the ability to cast your Bard spells through your weapon, neatly solving the problem right then and there. Now let's get into the topic of multi-class spellcasting. When you multi-class two different spellcasting classes, things get weird as you determine your spell slots by combining your class levels. Your spells known stay completely separate, so if you have three levels in Paladin and five levels of Bard, you'll know the same number of Paladin spells as a third level Paladin, and the same number of Bard spells as a fifth level Bard. Where it gets funky is the spell slots. Rather than keeping spell slot progression of your two base classes, you instead combine them both into multi-class spellcasting. Multi-class spellcasters use their own special table, really just a generic version of what most full spellcasters already have, and they calculate your level on that table using the levels of your base classes. The full casters count as a full level, while the half casters count as half levels. For our bard paladin builds, this means that we count every bard level as a full level on the multi-class spell table, but our paladin levels only count as halves. For example, if your Bard Paladin has two levels of Paladin and three levels of Bard, they count as a fourth level spellcaster on the table. Note also that this means there's no difference between a Paladin spell slot or a Bard spell slot. You know the spells that you know and can apply the spell slots to spells from either class. It also means that the correct number of Paladin levels is always going to be even, as odd Paladin levels lose out on spell slots. Both of these classes mesh fairly well, and there aren't many wrong ways to put it together, so long as you keep a hand free for your musical instrument and make sure to go for even paladin levels so that you don't lose out on spell slots. There are a couple even more synergistic builds we can go for, one that focuses on DPS and tanking, and one that focuses on support. First, let's start with the Smite Artisan build. For this build, we're going to essentially play like a typical martial character paladin, but we're going to use our bard levels for buffs and extra spell slots to spend into our smites. We're going to try and grow that basic attack damage with as much potential damage as possible. 
Ultimately, this will come together quite a bit like the more traditional Sorcidon builds for maximizing combat potential, which you can find here on this channel. We want to start by taking two levels of Paladin to gain access to Divine Smite and all of our armor and weapon proficiencies. For our fighting style, we want to go with defense, because we want both defense and dueling, and defense isn't an option from our bard features. Next, we want to take five levels of bard, which will pick up a ton of spell slots along with a font of inspiration boosted bardic inspiration. We specifically want to take the College of Swords as our bard archetype here, and take dueling for our bonus fighting style. Once we hit five bard levels, the rest of our levels go into paladin, giving us a final build split of five bard and fifteen paladin. For our Paladin archetype, it's a bit more flexible with several options, but I find the Oath of Vengeance fits best here for a pure DPS strategy. As for equipment, we want a one-handed weapon like a longsword, and we can ditch the medium armor for a shield and heavy armor. And thanks to the College of Swords, we can still cast all of our Bard and Paladin spells through our sword without having to worry about keeping a hand free. Now let's put all of this together for an example at 8th level, 5 Bard and 3 Paladin, assuming at least a plus 3 in Strength and Charisma. To start with, we should be rocking a 21 AC due to plate armor, a shield, and the protection fighting style. Next, when we pick out our target, we can use our Vow of Enmity as a bonus action to gain advantage on all of our attacks against a specific target. Now with our attack, we can not only use a third level smite by using a bard spell, but we can also make it a defensive flourish using a bardic inspiration die. Altogether, this melee attack has advantage and will deal our weapon damage with a plus 2 bonus to the dueling fighting style. 1d8 plus 5, the third level smite, 4d8, and the damage from the flourish, 1d8. We can also get some extra attack damage from spells on following turns using Hunter's Mark. Hunter's Mark lets us gain additional damage as a bonus action, an archetype spell for Oath of Vengeance for another d6, so long as we keep hitting the same target. Altogether, our attack at level 8 is made with advantage for 36 damage, every single turn. And because of Defensive Flourish, we also get to add that Bardic Inspiration die as a massive boost to our AC until our next turn, meaning every turn our AC will effectively be somewhere between 22 and 29. And thanks to Font of Inspiration getting our Bardic Inspirations back on a short rest, we can afford to use them for basically every attack, and while this damage output will decline as you run through your spell slots, you still have far more of them to work with than a pure Paladin, and the build really elevates the playstyle with ridiculous amounts of damage. Even a Smite using just first level slots, which you'll have plenty of, is a serious threat here. Next we have the Glamour Knight. It's a rough battlefield out there, and when all of the spellcasters need to be kept safe, you should call the Glamour Knight. For this build, we're going to try and keep our allies buffed and healthy with as much support as we can possibly do as the ultimate support class. Of the two multi-class paladin bard builds, this one goes for more of a bard route than a paladin route, but one that can still tank hits and dish out damage while providing all of their buffs. We want to start by taking two levels of paladin to gain access to divine smite and all of our armor and weapon proficiencies. For our fighting style, we want the newer interception style that lets us use our reaction to reduce hits on our allies by 1d10 plus our proficiency bonus. We want this over the very similar protection because protection requires you wield a shield as opposed to interception that requires a shield or martial weapon. Next, we want to take 5 levels of bard and we want to select the College of Glamour. The College of Glamour gets us the Ability Mantle of Inspiration, which lets us grant our whole party temporary hit points at the cost of a bardic inspiration die. Next, we want to take 5 more Paladin levels, taking the Redemption Paladin subclass. That gets us to 7 total Paladin levels for Aura of Protection and Oath of Redemption with its 7th level feature, Aura of the Guardian. 
After that, we can spend the rest of our levels on Bard for more spell slots, giving us a final character level split of a 13-level Bard and 7-level Paladin. As for our equipment, we want a one-handed weapon like a long sword, our bardic instrument in another hand, and because of our paladin proficiencies, we can take heavy armor instead of medium armor. This will change, however, once you hit an ASI and take the Warcaster feat. Warcaster will, among other things, let us cast spells through our sword, which lets us use the free hand for a shield instead. Now let's put all of this together for an example at 12th level, 5 bard and 7 paladin, assuming at least a plus 3 in strength and charisma. Assuming we have a shield now, we should have a solid 20 AC with plate armor and a shield. In combat, we become the full party protector. Using our bardic performances, we can make sure our entire party has 5 temporary hit points essentially all the time. Whenever those hit points get knocked off, we can quickly re-up them. Next, between Aura of Protection and Aura of the Guardian, we provide huge buffs for everyone just standing near us. Or of Protection grants a bonus to all saving throws to us and any ally within 10 feet, equal to our Charisma modifier. Or of the Guardian straight up lets us take a hit for an ally, taking all the damage if we choose to. Between Or of the Guardian and Interception, we can prevent small hits and take big hits, keeping our party safe in bloody battlefield situations. Beyond the buffs, we spend all of our bard spells either for smiting or healing ourselves after we take hard hits. You essentially get to tank for the whole party, all while still dishing out a lot of damage. Pretty much useful from the start, I think this is a multi-class build I would recommend to any bard main who just wants to put a little spin on their character for the next adventure. Whether a glamour knight or a smite artisan, I think most players who enjoy filling out an incredibly helpful support role will find their gameplay style mending quite well with either choice. Thank you guys so much for watching. I really appreciate it. Be sure to like and subscribe because we put out new videos like this every... We're supposed to put them out every week, but I've been slowing down recently, but I'm trying to put them out every week once again. And if you or someone in your party is building an interesting bard paladin multiclass, I would love to hear all about them down in the comments. Thanks again for watching. My name is Patrick Ferguson from Skull Splitter Dice, and until next time, farewell.